Thank you, Dan and Choir and Mr. Millis for beautiful worship today. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Beginning verse 8, you'll be able to follow along. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 8. I'll never forget that night. I was out tending the sheep as usual. I'm even reluctant to tell you what I do to make a living because we shepherds were so lowly thought of. I don't know how to make you realize how low on the totem pole we were. In fact, people say as we traveled the countryside that we had sticky fingers, that we couldn't tell the difference between what was thine and, and what was mine. In your day, our status might have been something like a personal injury trial lawyer, a used car salesman, or a Baptist preacher. It had really gotten <laughs> bad kind of like that. But I don't know why we were so lowly thought of. Ours was a difficult job, and it took great skill. We were responsible for the welfare of the owner's flock. Sheep, sheep, they need a shepherd. None like goats. Goats can meander across a countryside, well, half-watched, and goats won't get into trouble. But sheep, more than any other animal, they need tending you have to help them find food and water and shelter. They have to be anointed with medicinal oils. Yes, sheep need the tender care of a shepherd. They will not rest. If they're still hungry, they will instinctively roam. Or if they're bothered by parasites, parasites or flies, they will have to be anointed with oil. And, well, if they have to be free from absolutely every fear before they will rest. And, of course, there's always a thief or a beast of prey lurking in the shadows of the night. That's right. Our job could be downright dangerous. It was a lonely job, too. Living in tents away from the family night after night after night. It got to where I even talked to the sheep. They began to know my voice. I remember one time that, that my flock got intertwined with a flock of another shepherd. You know the place, that watering spot just south of Hebron. And we weren't sure it would work, but it came time to divide the flocks. All I had to do was call, and my sheep followed me, for my sheep know my voice. I like to remind the merchants in the market that the Lord is not compared to a merchant. He is not the buyer or seller of goods. No, the Lord is compared to a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, my favorite word of the whole song, forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, that's it. I don't know why shepherds get such a bad rap. The Lord compares himself to a shepherd, and the one who wrote the song, why, he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. His name was David, and he was a what? He was a shepherd. Oh, you remember that story, I'm sure. The little town of Bethlehem, it was a nothing town. It became known as the city of David. And then it became famous for the birth of that little babe in a manger. And I'm going to tell you a whole lot more about that baby in just a bit. But let's, let's go with David. The Lord is a shepherd and David was a shepherd, the son of a shepherd, the shepherd king of Israel, the greatest king our nation ever had. God was finished with Saul. Saul had been disobedient, and God said to Samuel, his prophet, today from among the sons of Jesse, a new king will be anointed. It was kind of a dangerous thing to do because there was a sitting king on the throne. And so Samuel made his way in half disguise and lies, made his way to the house of Jesse And there, one by one, the sons of Jesse, they lined up before the prophet. Today, a son of Jesse will be anointed the new king, despite Saul still on the throne. And here comes Eliab. And Eliab is tall and handsome like Saul. He looks like a king. He's the oldest, you know. And the spirit says, no, no. And then comes Abinadab, the second born, and, well, he's the second oldest, and he still looks kind of kingly, so surely this is the one, this is the son of Jesse, who will be the next king. And the spirit says, says, no, no, Samuel, you're getting it wrong. We're not going to choose a king based on his height anymore. We're going to choose a king for his heart. The answer is no. And then comes Shema, the third born, and still the spirit of God says, no. Finally, Samuel's perplexed. Jesse, are all your boys here? There has to be a a king from among the sons of Jesse anointed today. Are all your sons here? No, 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 the spirit had said. Well, there's the least little son, but he's out keeping the sheep. What would you need with him? You go and get him, Samuel said. I will not be seated until he gets here. And Samuel stood till they could go all the way out and bring in the shepherd boy David, red-headed lad that he was, and as he's approaching the prophet, the Spirit of God says, yes, yes. It wasn't the wisest chosen that day. It wasn't the oldest chosen that day. It wasn't the strongest chosen that day. It was the least chosen that day. And yet nation trembles and giants fell when they got in that shepherd boy's way. And then you remember what Samuel did? He took a horn of oil, a sheep's horn no doubt, took a horn of oil and anointed David. And the scriptures say from that day, the spirit of God fell mightily upon David. The spirit was with David, the shepherd king of Israel. Now, how did I get to rambling on about David? Oh, 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 I'm trying to let you know about the worthiness of a shepherd. 
that God is like a shepherd, and David is a shepherd. So how we got such a bad rap, I'll never know. We couldn't even keep the, the ceremonial law. We were forever labeled unclean. And the ceremonial law was so important to God's people, but we could never keep it. We were, by definition, unclean. When it came to giving a testimony in the courts of law, well, everybody knew that shepherds were liars, at least they thought, and so no one would allow us to testify. Don't bring a, a shepherd in here to testify. That's a group of liars, they said. And so I find it strange that on that winter night, that we who are not allowed to testify concerning the things of men were allowed to testify concerning the things of God. That we were the first ones to learn about and to share the good news of God's glory. Given the fact that I'm a shepherd, I won't be surprised if, if you don't believe me. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not going to sound like the truth. It's not a story you'd ever make up, but I promise to tell you exactly what I saw and heard. We were keeping the flock near Bethlehem. These were special sheep. They were destined to be used in the temple sacrificial system, so they were perfect little lambs and and little did I know, as I was tending a flock of sacrificial sheep near the little town, the nothing town of Bethlehem, that on that very evening, the real Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth would finally be born. The promises of all the prophets, the writing of the Torah, would finally at once be fulfilled. It was my watch. It was already dark, late, the middle of the night. I was daydreaming, like I always daydream. By now, I can't remember what I was thinking about. Sometimes I just tried to keep the, the sheep at peace. It's kind of like a crying baby, ladies. If the sheep are crying, bang, there is no rest for the shepherd. So just trying to keep everything settled down and always looking in the shadows for a thief or a beast of prey lurking back there somewhere <clears throat> And sometimes I would stare into the sky at the stars and I would wonder, had everything I'd been taught about God, was it true? If it was, he seemed so far away. Had he not heard the cries of his people? Did he not know we needed a Messiah? And all of a sudden, somewhere between my, lurk, my looking for thieves and beasts of prey and daydreaming about what God would do for his people. All of a sudden, there was a great and a terrible light, and I couldn't even look into it. And somehow, through my peripheral vision, I could make out a terrible creature. It, was, it had to be the angel of the Lord. What a terrible, terrible thing to behold. I was frozen stiff. You know those times in your life when you can't even feel your limbs, your legs, or your arms? I couldn't even move. All I could feel was the, the pounding of my heart and my chest, and it seemed to go up to my throat, and I, I couldn't swallow the pounding of my, my heart away. I was just frozen there in fear before this awesome and terrible creature. I mean, who am I that the angel of the Lord would appear to me? 
Who am I? I'm not a prophet. I'm not a priest. I'm not a king. I had not been trained in interpreting visions or dreams. I wasn't prepared for anything like this. Who was I that God would actually come to me, a shepherd? I couldn't even lift my arms to defend myself. But the first time a little lad looks over his father's flock, you take great pride in getting a rod that is just the right shape and size and strength for your hand, and you practice, and I could hurl my rod with great velocity and accuracy, and I couldn't even lift my rod and my staff. I, I couldn't do anything. I was absolutely frozen in fear at all the bright lights. By now, all the herdsmen had awakened, and they were experiencing the same thing that I was experiencing at that very moment. I was terrified. I have faced beasts of prey of every sort and even two or three thieves that I had defended and had fights, but this was something I'd never experienced before. The bright lights, the angel of the Lord talking to me. First words, I guess he could tell, fear not. I was terribly afraid. I was paralyzed with fear. Fear not. Fear not. That's a whole lot easier for him to say than it was for us to do. What do you mean, fear not? Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people everywhere. Then I knew. Then I knew what he was talking about. Good news of great joy. The hope of all the ages was coming. It was coming true right before my eyes. We had longed, how long, oh God, must we wait? We had cried out. The people had cried out. We need your anointed one. We need the Messiah. And now finally the angel of the Lord, the bright lights, it must be. It is. It's here. The good news is here. He's here. He's coming. Good news of great joy. And then he said something awfully strange. For all people everywhere. I had been taught that the good news was for Israel only. For the political advancement of the people of God. And, and that's, not, that's not what the angel of the Lord said. Good news of great joy for all people everywhere. I'm a nobody. I was in no place right around Bethlehem. Why was this happening to me? Good news of great joy, not just for Israel, but for everyone. I've learned something reading the scriptures. That God uses ordinary people. Whether it's David or me or you. God hardly ever selects the strongest or the wisest. God hardly ever selects the one that we would select. God always takes someone who's devoted to his kingdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, like shepherd boy David, anointed from the horn of oil. God uses ordinary people to turn the world upside down. And then the angel kept talking. For unto you is born this day 
in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I heard his words, Savior. That means he'll save us from our sins. He's the Christos, the anointed one, the one anointed prophet, priest, and king. Caesar, watch out, move over. There's a new king a-coming. He's the Lord, the Curios. Savior, Christ, and King. And this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling claws. And this is a part that doesn't seem real. If I'd been making the story up, he would have been born in Jerusalem. If I'd been making the story up, he would have had a crib laden with jewels. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling claws and lying. This is what he said, lying in a manger. Surely in a city as meager as Bethlehem, there'd be a lot of babies in hand-me-down clothes. But there could only be one that had a cattle's feeding trough filled with hay for his bed. And suddenly there was with that single angel of the Lord a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. If you ever, and many of you will, if you ever hear a choir of angels, you will never doubt the goodness and power of God again. Now, I know your Dan Baker's pretty good. I've heard him a time or two. But compared to the singers in the heavenly host, Dan Baker sounds like a bellowing donkey compared <laughs> to that. Daniel, at least you have a good Jewish name. I'll, I'll give you that. The Romans brought us Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. But we didn't have peace in our hearts. We were oppressed people living under occupational foreign government, the Romans. We had no peace in our heart. And just as, just as suddenly as the angel had appeared with all that bright light, the, the heavenly host faded away. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men, they said. But we wanted real peace. Your King James Version says we made haste to find the baby. That's putting it lightly. We left those flocks with the under-shepherd, the under-hersmas immediately, and we raced to Bethlehem, and it took a long time. We looked far and wide to find that one, that one and only baby that had a feeding trough for a bed and we found him I wish you could have been there we entered the little lean-to for the animals and Mary was there I noticed her first and Joseph older but Joseph was there And just like the angel said, a little baby in a feeding trough. 
of all the moments in this shepherd's life. There has never been one like that before. And I suppose there'll never be one like that since. You could sense there in the presence of the baby all God's hope and all God's love and all God's salvation. God was at work. The merchants were busy selling their wares, getting ready for the morning's market. The kings were planning their battles and their wars, trying to expand their borders. And right here, And this little shanty was the king of kings and the warrior of warriors while the world slept through it all. Somehow I just knew, I just knew when I I saw him, I knew that things, things could never be the same again. They had changed forever. Everything was going to be different. God was at work. We were the first to spread the news. If you read there, what's become known as Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, he tells our story. and He says we went around telling everybody the things that we had seen and heard. And the people wondered about what we said and that Mary pondered all that she experienced in her heart. You see, once you have the good news, you must share the good news. I've given my whole life now from that day forward to going around and telling about the experience that I had on the hillside when the bright light and the angel of the Lord and the angelic choir and the good news of great joy and seeing him myself just once, just once. But I saw him. And if you too have truly experienced that Bethlehem baby, if you truly have experienced the good news of great joy, you will share it too. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people everywhere. He said all people, all people everywhere. For unto you is born not in the future anymore. We had waited for ages. For unto you is born this day, right there in Bethlehem, the city of David. Who is it? A Savior, the Christ, the Lord. If you want a sign so you can find him, he'll be the baby in hand-me-downs, pushed over in the shanty with a feeding trough for a crib I never saw him again I'm told that one of his disciples by the name of John wrote a book kind of like Luke's book but different and that 30 years later from when I saw that baby that he became a rabbi you remember what he said 
I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Why, even the Pharisees, even the Pharisees admitted that he must come from God. How could he do the miracles that he did? And how could he work the wonders that he worked? And how could he cast out demons and, and calm the sea? Even the Pharisees. But they rejected him. They rejected his message of love and hope and joy. And indeed, he was the only good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Three days later, John writes that the grave itself could not contain him, that he, he arose from the dead and became the first fruits of the resurrection. All who would call him Lord will follow. You think he remembers me? I don't know. He was just a baby. But he wasn't too, you know. Think he remembers me, the, the shepherd on the hillside, who's just an ordinary common shepherd, out watching his owner's flock that evening. It happened to be my watch, and I was overtaken by the brightness of the light and the voice, the terrifying voice of the angel of the Lord and the magnitude of the heavenly choir. And then the image of Mary and Joseph and, and the baby. I hope he remembers me. The shepherd who's sharing good news of great joy. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you today. We're readying our hearts for the arrival of that little Bethlehem baby. Maybe there's someone here even this morning who needs to come and profess that baby as Lord and Savior. Maybe there are others who need to come be a part of this church. Father, through the power of story, prepare our hearts for the only story that matters. The wait of the world is over. The Savior of joy has come.